0: I read, um, and it, it's, it's shocking, but I've, I've read this and it's continued to be repeated over the years as I've seen different studies, that uh, about 90% of people who are incarcerated end up going back to prison. And of that number, uh, close to 70% of those people actually want to go back to prison because it is comfortable, because it is difficult to get out into the world and, and to change. It's, it's difficult to have that freedom for them. And now all of you today, you're not incarcerated, you're here, but I would guess that out of this number of people, there are a good many of us that are in our own little prisons. See, the question I have for you today is, do you want to be set free? And I think all of us on the surface would say, of course, of course I want to be set free. Why? Why would I want to be in bondage? Why would I want my freedom limited? <laughs> but I would say to you, uh, yes, we are in prisons of addiction. We're in prisons of anger. We're in prisons of bitterness. And the truth is, like a I read about a plaque that's on a Christian counselor's wall. On on this plaque it said the truth will set you free, which is scriptural. But then it said, uh, but the truth will hurt you first. The truth will set you free, but the truth will hurt you first. What's that mean? It means that it's difficult to make those changes. It's difficult uh, to own That responsibility, and it's difficult to say no to the short term pleasure of that addiction, the short term pleasure of holding that grudge, the short term pleasure of lashing out in anger when you've been frustrated. You see, it takes a maturity, a maturity, oftentimes, it's hard for us to do ourselves, it will hurt to own your mistakes. It will hurt to own those things you do that ultimately are destructive to your own health and destructive to the health of your relationships. You see, we're talking about being set free today because we're, again, looking at Joseph and his brothers. If you were here last week, you remember, you know, we got to this point where they were, they were having a banquet and, and there was this move toward... reconciliation but Joseph still had not revealed to them that he was this prime minister that had set the banquet for him this 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 was their long lost brother and and lost not uh, by accident lost not because they he somehow got uh, separated from them on a trip no lost because these brothers these 10 brothers had actually cast him down into a cistern first uh, to leave him for dead But then seeing slave traders come by, selling him into slavery, these brothers for 22 years had carried that secret. These brothers were in prisons of their own making like so many of us do. And I think we can see a journey in chapters 44 to 45. We can see a a journey from having those prison walls being broken, having Uh, that transition from bondage to freedom. And I think we can learn from that. There are three steps to freedom I see here, and I think these are universally applicable. If you really want to be set free, if you will be courageous enough to to endure that pain of saying no to that short-term pleasure sensation of your prison, if you can do that, friends, you can... Have a different life this week than you had last week. The first step to freedom I see here, and listen, this is universal. We talked about it last week because uh, there started the process in chapter 43. Uh, I will say to you, there is no other way uh, to overcome the temptation to sin. And, and once we've sinned, to overcome uh, the consequences of it except this three-step pattern. First, there's confession. Confession. There's confession of that sin. Now, let me set the table for you as we begin chapter 44. Uh, Joseph instructs his stewards to put food into their sacks for their journey back uh, to the Holy Land. Put the food in their sacks and, and put some silver in there. But, but he says in, in Benjamin's sack, the youngest brother, you remember uh, jo- Jacob, the father's favorite son now, but to put in his sack a, a silver cup, the silver cup that Joseph himself used. And this silver cup obviously was, was a, a treasure. It was a, a holy symbol uh, for these people in Egypt. And, and so he does that, and, and they go and they find this silver cup is found in Benjamin's sack. And, and so the punishment for that would be death from Benjamin. And so we pick it up reading in verse 11 of chapter 44 what happens. Each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. And then the steward proceeded to search, uh, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. At this they tore their clothes. In the Old Testament, tearing your clothes was a sign of great grief. Of great stress. This is what they did when they were overcome with something that was, was a, a great loss for them. And then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, What is this you've done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? Uh, what we can, can we say to my Lord? Listen, this is very important. This is confession. What we, can we say to my Lord? Judah replied. What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? Those are all rhetorical questions saying we are guilty. And God has uncovered your servant's guilt. See, it is vital for us to understand every sin is a sin against God, but it often is reflected in sin against other people. And it is vital for us to own that. But it is difficult to do. Our tendency is, when we know we've done something wrong, is to what? It's to cover it up. It's to cover it up. Now, Judah uh, assumes that Benjamin stole this cup. But I think he's speaking for 22 years of guilt. 22 years of knowing remembering them probably talking with each other about how they sold out their brother. And so he's saying, before God, we understand our guilt. We confess it. Friends, it has to start with that. You see, as you continue to to hold on to your secrets, as you continue to build upon those secrets, the ugliness only gets deeper, even though it's well hid, It is very true that we are only as sick as our secrets. And the more secrets you have and the longer you keep them, the sicker you will get. God's solution is for us to own when we mess up, to own when we sin against him, to own when we sin against others. As I told you last week, the Bible says that God knows our hearts He knows the sins, even if we can fool other people. But even those sins, as it tells us in Numbers, those sins that we think are hidden will find us out. And so, confession is the beginning of this step, this this journey back to freedom, to truly living as free people. The truth will set you free. The uncovering, the... Unraveling the exposing of the secrets will set you free. The second, repentance is that second step of freedom, repentance. And we see this in Judah now. Uh, it, the longest speech in all the book of Genesis is recorded in 44, 18 to 34. This is Judah, the brother who kind of took the lead. This is Judah giving an impassioned defense of Benjamin uh, to Joseph. He didn't know this was his brother yet. But he gives us in passion a defense of pleading for Benjamin's life, for Benjamin's freedom. And notice what he says. Notice this supreme expression of love. Notice this development of maturity in Judah. He is willing to exchange his life for his brother. Jesus said, No greater love hath a man than this, than he laid down his life for his friend or his brother. Verses thirty-three and thirty-four. Now, then, please let your servant remain here as my lord's slave in place of the boy, and let the boy return with his brothers. Now, can I? How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come on my father. He not only they are willing to confess, to own up, to expose their secrets, but he also is willing to take his brother's place. The actions match up with the intentions, with the verbalized intentions. So does the Bible say, if we want to get right, we need to confess our sin and then repent of it. Uh, We need to not only confess uh, verbally our sin, but we repent. We change our mind and then change our direction, change our action. That's what's going on here. And then, reconciliation's that third step. Reconciliation, that is... Uh, Seeking to bring those relationships back into balance, both with God vertically, and then all around us, to seek to have uh, positive, healthy relationships with those around us, to to overcome our tendency, each of us, to sin against each other, uh, to uh, have this cycle, as it were, of confession, repentance, of forgiveness and reconciliation—that is God's dream. It's a beautiful story in chapter forty-five. Genesis forty-five is is one of the greatest examples of reconciliation in all of Scripture, of the miraculous gift of forgiveness. Oh, look, we read it together, and then Joseph could no longer ca- control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, "Have everyone leave my presence!" So there was no one there with Joseph when he made himself known his brothers. Now, I've told you this. I'm I'll, 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 sure I'll tell you again. I want you to like just imagine yourself in the scene. He clears the room and, and he, he breaks down and he, he says, I'm Joseph. I'm the brother you sold. in the slavery and thought was dead. <laughs> uh, and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it. And Pharaoh's household Heard about it. I'm sure they were going, What in the world is going on? Are they attacking him? Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph, is my father still living? <laughs> and here's an understatement, but his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence, you think? And then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. And I'm like, I would not have been first in line. You, you go first. I don't know that I want to be first when they had done so. He said, I'm your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. That's spiritual maturity. That's godliness. Imagine what it must have felt like to be rejected and sold by your brothers, yet this is what he says to them. For two years now, there's been famine in the land, and for the next five years there'll be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, uh, but God. He made me father of Pharaoh, uh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, This is what you're done, Joseph says, uh, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Notice, he asked in verse 3 about his father, he asked in verse 9, he'll ask in verse 13. He knows his father must be getting older. But listen, there's a principle there. Uh, notice all sons and daughters want to hear from their father that he's proud of them. All sons and daughters want to have that positive relationship. If you're a dad, make sure your kids know. Make sure you're connected with your kids. Make sure your kids know that you're proud of them. That's what he cares about. I hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I'll provide for you there because five years of famine... ...are still to come. Otherwise you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin... ...that it is really I who am speaking to you. Uh, Tell my father about all the honor accorded to me in Egypt... ...and about everything you've seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them afterwards... His brother talked with him. The truth will hurt you first. It's tough. Reconciliation both sides. Those who are confessing and repenting and those who have to forgive. But notice the joy. Notice the rightness of this moment. And then think, about what it means to you. Think about it, what it means to me. Can we handle the truth? I think we must. Because the power of broken relationships, the power of being in those self-imposed prisons to create negativity in us is not worth the seeming control of holding the secrets, of holding the cards. Uh, there are three relationships I want you to think about today as you think about being set free. First, you and Christ. You and Christ. The same pattern needs to happen when we first come to Christ. Maybe today you're exploring. Maybe today you're trying to figure out the truth. You're trying to figure out uh, what uh, is your relationship with God and how it can grow. It's the same pattern, confession, repentance, repentance reconciliation, restoration. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God wants nothing more than to be close to you. You were created in the image of God and you were created for relationship with God, but all of us use our free will to do things that God doesn't want us to do or, or to not do the things God wants us to do and and because of that, that sin can cause estrangement, it can cause a distance. But our confession, our owning our sin and repenting of it can lead to that relationship being close again, that reconciliation coming back together again. Us can us walking closely with God, you in Christ, if you choose to confess and repent and be reconciled, God will accept you. He loves you to have that relationship again. And not only that, we, we have that on an ongoing basis, to continually be agents of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verses 8 through 10. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. He's talking about 1 Corinthians. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. That's the pain, the truth will hurt you first. The The sorrow led to repentance. But you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow, godly pain, brings repentance that leads to salvation and leads to no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. That is, sorry about not climbing the ladder, sorry about not... Having every financial thing that you want. Sorry about not getting your way all the time. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Hear that. Secondly, I want you to think about your relationship with those you've hurt. You and those you've hurt. Now, I want to talk about Numbers chapter 5. I know you probably have Numbers memorized. I mean, you make your preacher proud because you have the book of Numbers memorized. Uh, maybe you have trouble sleeping and you read Numbers for uh, a little help. Numbers chapter 5 has these amazing verses. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, any man or woman who wrongs another in any way <clears throat> and so is unfaithful to the Lord, that sin is first against the Lord, is guilty and must confess the sin they've committed. There's confession again. And then repentance to the reconciliation, they must make full restitution for the wrong they've done, add a fifth of the value to it and give it to all, all to the person they've wronged. You see, uh, the restitution, doing what it takes, taking the initiative with those you've hurt is what that says to us. Trying to make it right, that's what it, that's what it says to us. If we want to be set free, if we want to have positive relationships with those around us, those that we have hurt, we need to take that initiative and do what we can to make it right. That's painful. It may be painful to your wallet. It may be painful to your pride. But it is the way of freedom. It is the way of reconciliation. It is the way of joy I say this to you those who insist on maintaining their pride end up alone it's far better far better far far better to own to make restitution to take the first step and then finally you and those who have hurt you you and those who have hurt you that is When others have sinned against you, how do you react? The temptation is uh, to be angry, the temptation is to be bitter. But you know, scripture has a different way. As Joseph models forgiveness for us, so does Jesus tell us that is the way for the Christian to live. Uh, I preached a six part series on true forgiveness back in the fall. Uh, You're welcome to get those DVDs. I'm, I'm telling you, the reason I talk about forgiveness so much is because God talks about it a lot. The reason I talk about forgiveness so much is because it is the key to living a healthy life, to having healthy relationships around us. And here we see again in Matthew chapter 6, 14 through 15, For if you forgive those other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, let me say to you and remind you forgiveness does not always live to reconciliation. But all you can do is your part. You can forgive, and maybe that relationship won't be where it once was. But you will have released that burden, you will have released that self imposed prison of bitterness, of anger. And it's this that God wants for us. I want you to think today what it might look like if in your relationships there was health, if in relationships there was freedom, if you exposed the secrets and lived as God wants us to with your yeses being yeses and your noes being noes, if you lived in harmony with God and your harmony with others, what that might be like. I say to you, it doesn't happen in the day, but I do say to you, if you will accept the truth, if you will live by the truth, the truth will set you free, but it won't be easy. The truth will set you free, and it is the best way to live. Father, we think about these things today and thank you for the example of Joseph. I I pray today in our life situations we've been reflecting on perhaps our hidden places. Perhaps a relationship that we have that's severed or strained. Perhaps ways in which we need to confess and repent to you. I pray your spirit's leading us and will lead us This week, in mending our relationships, mending our relationship with you, mending our relationship with others. It takes courage uh, to confess secrets, but how freeing it is. Father, I thank you for your love and your grace. I thank you for your forgiveness and your courage, and I pray you fill us with those in Jesus' name. Amen. It's ministry time. If you have a decision to make, we'd love to help you with that. Let's stand together and sing.